Welcome back to Tamart Radio on KDRT 95.7 FM in Davis, California. This is your host, Rohan Bakshi. Sports nutrition has come a long way in the last century. From a time when athletes were advised to not drink water when they were exercising because of the worry that it would cause stomach problems. One of the most startling stories in the history of sports nutrition is that of marathon runner Thomas Hicks, who won a gold medal at the 1904 Olympics. He asked for water at the 18-mile mark and was given a wet sponge to suck on and an egg white. It was extremely hot and there were only two water stations along the way. Hicks asked for more water along the way, and for the rest of the 8 miles he was given 4 more eggs, 3 shots of brandy, and a bit of strychnine, which back then people thought was a muscle stimulant and was later used as rat poison. Hicks kept going and ended up winning the marathon but could not receive his medal because, no surprise, he needed medical attention. If you've been listening to Time Art Radio for a while, you've probably picked up that we have a lot of episodes that focus on sports. Today it's time to look at what feels athletes, and because I'm 16 and this show's for teens, we're going to focus on nutrition for youth athletes. The youngest athlete to compete in the Olympic Games was only 10 years and 218 days old. This was Demetrius Laundress, who competed in the 1896 Athens Olympics and won a bronze medal in the Team Parallel Bars event. Let's look at three sports nutrition facts for youth athletes. First, the average American diet has more than enough protein for muscle building. And when it comes to protein, more isn't better. A small amount of high-quality protein is enough to build muscle. Taking more protein than that just causes the excess protein to be used as fuel. Building muscle depends on your genes, how hard you train, and whether you get enough calories and nutrients, and get enough sleep. The second fact is that you can survive for a month without food, but can only survive for a few days without water. More than half of our bodies are made up of water. Poor hydration leads to poor performance. Weight loss during heavy exercise is mostly sweat loss, so athletes need to drink lots of water. And finally, skipping meals is not a good idea. A third of teens skip breakfast at least once a week, and one in four skip lunch. Skipping meals just leads to athletes getting less energy than their body needs. In today's episode of Time Out Radio, we meet sports nutrition expert Dr. Liz Applegate, who tells us about her top tips for teen athletes to help them reach peak performance, the scoop on protein shakes and energy drinks, and, my favorite, how chocolate can boost sports performance. Sports nutrition is the application of nutrition principles to improve training, recovery, and performance. The earliest research on sports nutrition was conducted in the 1930s in Sweden, where scientists studied the metabolism of carbs and fats, which is why our place of the week is the country of Sweden. Up next is Oil by Gorillaz featuring Stevie Nicks.
Welcome back to Time Out Radio on KDRT 95.7 FM in Davis, California. This is your host, Rohan Bakshi. Our guest on today's episode is Dr. Liz Applegate, who was a UC Davis nutrition professor for three decades before she retired. Professor Applegate taught a very large hybrid undergraduate course called Nutrition 10 at UC Davis that had 1,000 students in it each quarter. During her time at UC Davis, she taught over 60,000 students, which, for context, would fill the Aggie Stadium five and a half times. Dr. Applegate, welcome to the show. First off, you were an Aggie and student athlete yourself when you got your bachelor's degree in biochemistry at UC Davis, and then you stayed on to complete your PhD in nutrition with an exercise emphasis. So how did your interest in sports nutrition start? Well, it started back when I was actually in as an undergrad, but also prior to that, I've always just loved to be active. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your listeners about being able to tie in your your interests with your education. So as a biochem major and then going on to nutrition science and exercise physiology emphasis, I just felt like a natural fit. Sports nutrition was an emerging area of interest. And since I was also doing sports, field hockey, track and field, and then went on to the triathlete world, it just seemed to make sense. And I had a good time doing it. And in your work as the director of sports nutrition for UC Davis Athletics, you helped numerous campus athletes tweak their diets to improve their performance. What's the biggest issue that you saw with college athletes' diets? The biggest issue, I think, with the college athletes, and it also is for a lot of people, is that they had very inconsistent eating. 
athletes skip meals. They don't plan ahead. Nutrition is not something that they're thinking of necessarily as to build into their day. Like I've got to go to class. I have to, to study for a test. Instead, it's like, oops, I didn't eat lunch. And here I'll grab this quick eating candy bar or whatever it might be. So that inconsistent eating leading to skipping meals and very poor performance was the biggest issue I was dealing with. And in your job as UC Davis's sports nutrition director, what kinds of things did you help college athletes with? For all of the teams, and there are over 600 student athletes and many different teams in both men's and women's sports, each one of them, I met with the team as a group and talked about their specific nutritional concerns, especially as it relates to traveling, going places for competition. I talked to them about eating plans specific for their sport and their practice schedule. I work with a group of student interns and we made videos on how to grocery shop, how to eat at fast food restaurants and all sorts of things that really ultimately made a big difference. Yeah. And teen athletes have different nutrition needs than adult athletes because, you know, they're still growing and developing. What are your top three nutrition tips for teen athletes? Ron, you know, that's a really good concept that a lot of teen athletes don't recognize is that they are in the greatest calorie burning time of their life. That is, they need the most food now. And you're going to add exercise on top of that. Well, now you're really, you're an inferno. You need to eat consistently and throughout the day and really good fuel and all the ingredients so you can mature, grow, develop bigger muscles, stronger muscles. And what I felt that athletes really needed to do was get a meal plan, have a plan for that day. You wake up, don't let food happen to you. You make it happen was what I'd like to say to them. So know what you're going to do for breakfast. You absolutely have to have that morning meal and then have a plan for snacks. Take them with you. See if a caregiver, a parent can be a part of your planning, take some, you know, action on it and go grocery shopping. And then also another big tip was making sure you had protein at every meal. That is critical. Teens need a lot of protein and you need more when you exercise. And hydration is also an important issue in sports. And I read that as little as 1% of dehydration can affect sports performances. What and how much should athletes be drinking during and after exercise? And are sports drinks better than water? Well, let's just put that in perspective. What do we mean by 1% of your body weight lost as sweat can cause performance deficit? Well, what happens there is if you say you weigh 150 pounds and you lose a couple of pounds, two pounds during a workout due to sweating, weigh yourself before, weigh yourself after, it's not fat weight loss. That's mostly water loss. And that can cause your blood literally to be thicker. It's harder to keep your body cool muscles don't contract properly and you have difficulty performing and it can lead to a dangerous heat exhaustion state. So to answer your question of how much should you drink, here's what I'd like to tell people, whether you're an athlete or not, is I can't prescribe for one individual exactly the amount of cups of water they need. Instead, I encourage them to count the number of full bladders of urine they have per day and making sure it's a pale straw color. 
So you should make sure you do go to the bathroom that you urinate frequently. Just give that color check if you can. And so what that means is having water with you, drinking a couple of cups before a workout, having water available, at least two to four ounces every 30 minutes during your practice, if not more. And then after you recover to drink a couple of cups and then always have that during the day. And sport drinks work great, but they're an expense. So you don't have to have them unless you are short on fuel and you're exercising for more than two hours. And what are some healthy snacks for teen athletes specifically, since you mentioned that they obviously need to constantly be having snacks throughout the day? What are some healthy snacks that you think are the best? Healthy snacks are foods that provide a quality source of protein, not exclusively protein, but some, and then good quality carbohydrate source. So a quick sandwich, you know, peanut butter and jelly actually can travel, maybe mushed up in your backpack, but It makes a great snack along with some fluid. It could be some sport drink. It could be cow's milk or oat milk. That would be great. You could have fruit and a granola bar. That would be another portable snack. And doing something a couple of hours before you go to your practice. If you've had breakfast, you had a snack in the morning, you had lunch, and then now we're in the mid-afternoon and you're going to go to a workout, it's important to have something to fuel you then. So think of quality food, a Pop-Tart, Uh, It doesn't have everything that you need. It maybe tastes good for the moment, but there's very little protein, a lot of refined sugars. And so getting things that provide some protein, some different vitamins and minerals and those energizing carbs is what you're after. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about game day meals. I play soccer myself and there are many other sports that is very important to have a good pregame meal right before competition. So what pregame meals can help anyone reach peak performance? You bring up a really great point is that it is vital to have a pregame meal, not immediately before, but give it two to three hours that you have had a meal that provides some protein, not tons of it, not exclusively protein, and a good dose of carbohydrates. So you could have breakfast cereal, if you're pressed for time, you got to Zoom home, breakfast cereal with milk on it or oat milk on it, some fruit and some more fluid to drink. Something bigger, you could have a bowl of pasta, not too heavy with a lot of meatballs, but a few, as long as you give yourself adequate time to digest that. So not 15 minutes before you go out on the soccer field, you know, that would lead to losing those meatballs on the field. So you want to give yourself enough time to be able to handle that. And it certainly can be a portable food, because if you're going from classes at school to your practice or your competition, you can bring that pregame meal with you. And that could be a light sandwich that you built of maybe um, a slice or two of lean, either vegetable protein or plant protein or like roasted turkey and some lettuce and tomato, nothing too spicy to upset your stomach, some bread that's got some fiber in it, uh, wheat bread in it. And that would be a really great pregame meal along with beverage. Yeah. Intense physical activity uh, uses a lot of energy. What should an athlete eat or drink uh, after a game or a workout to help them recover their energy levels. You are expending a lot of calories. In fact, from you going out on a soccer game, you could be burning 500 plus calories in the span of an hour. And you know, soccer games can last a long time. And so you need to replenish a couple of things. You need to replenish the calories. You need to replenish carbohydrate. 
your stores of carbohydrate are called glycogen. They're in your muscles. And you've used up almost all of that in one soccer game, if not all, depending on what position you play. And so you need to replenish that along with some rebuilding protein. So it's critical athletes eat after they work out and you want to do it within about 30 minutes to no longer than waiting two hours. Because if you wait too long, your muscles actually get a little bit tired of waiting for the food to come in and you don't rebuild very well. And then you're not ready for next day's follow-up practice or any other type of activity. So the same types of food supply that we did pregame, we can do postgame. But your goal now is 20 to 30 grams of protein. That wasn't the goal on the pregame meal, but now you want to have a good dose of protein. So if you had a turkey burger on whole grain bun and some fruit salad, that would be a fabulous postgame meal. And many teens uh, also try to increase their muscle mass and regular strength training is, of course, essential to do this. But protein shakes and powders also seem to be very popular. What's your advice about protein supplements for teens? Well, let me just say a few caveats first. Teens are are maturing and to build lean mass, muscle mass, you need a couple of things. You need to have the resistance training, the weightlifting. You need to have the appropriate metabolic response to weight training, meaning your body knows how to respond to build more muscle protein, build the fibers to better withstand that resistance. And it takes some anabolic hormones that the person makes. So if you're a young, younger person and you haven't gone through puberty yet and you don't have the testosterone, it's going to be challenging. No matter what else you do, you, you still won't be at that phase to be able to build it easily. But time will come and, and you'll be able to do it. So as far as the protein supplements, you do need more protein when you exercise and you do need more protein when you strength train. The amount is achievable through diet. However, Given crazy schedules and people not planning, I actually recommend protein drinks, very simple ones that can augment, supplement a person's diet, a young athlete's diet to give them that quality protein. For example, drinking a milk that is enriched with more protein. Uh, There are a couple of brands out there, but one that comes to mind is called Fairlife or a protein powder of whey whey is a protein isolated from milk. You put that in a blender with some ice, some berries, and now you're getting some good carbohydrates and you mix it all up with some ice and you've got a great shake with 30 grams of protein and that you can do after you strength train. And that would be a a good idea for athletes interested in building lean mass. It takes time too, and it takes being consistent. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, like me, are a chocolate lover. And as I was doing my research, I found that you're the author of five books on nutrition. And one of them is called Eat Your Way to a Healthy Heart, Chocolate and 99 Other Foods That Help Your Heart. So tell me how chocolate is good for me and how it can boost sports performance and how much chocolate is too much. Well, chocolate as some people may not realize is actually a plant food. It comes from cacao plants. And there are compounds in plants such as pomegranates and and blueberries, those dark, rich tones of purple and reddish. And they have very complex names. Anthocyanidins is one category, which actually is in chocolate. 
And these compounds can provide protection from oxidative damage. There's some evidence that it may help relax blood vessels a little bit and why that's critical for athletes and also people wanting a healthy heart is by expanding the flow of blood. And if you can get more blood flowing to a region, uh, working muscle, that potentially can increase your performance, which in fact, some studies have shown. Now, I would not say that popping a couple of ounces of chocolate before you go out on the soccer field is optimal because it's also very high in fat and there's sugar in it, but sugar would be used as fuel. Really, the way to look at chocolate and health and performance is a small amount of good chocolate, about an ounce and a half that can add to your diet because it is a plant-based food. Even though many people want me to say, oh, I can have chocolate every day, you have to put it in perspective with all your other foods and if you're balancing calories and maintaining a healthy weight. So common sense has to be applied. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Applegate, for joining me on Time Out Radio today. I had a great time and I want all the listeners to just remember that it's up to you to make a difference with what you eat. You're in charge of putting food in your mouth. So make it count.
And that was Hopeful by Edessa. In today's travel segment, we visit Sweden, located in the geographical region known as Scandinavia in Northern Europe. The earliest people arrived in the area about 10,000 years ago and were hunters and gatherers. The name Sweden comes from the Svi warring tribe, later known as the Vikings, who gained power there in 500 AD. Sweden is one of the least populated countries in Europe and is home to 10 million people. Its capital is Stockholm and its official language is Swedish. Although Sweden is a member of the European Union, its currency is the Swedish krona and not the euro. The Swedes have one of the highest tax rates in the world, but this gets them government-funded healthcare, generous parental leave, five weeks of vacation a year, unemployment assistance, and help with the cost of childcare, education, and elder care. Sweden is bordered by Norway and Finland. Half the country is covered by lush forests, which provide a rich habitat for endangered animals and birds, and it has over 100,000 lakes and 24,000 islands. With all this natural beauty, it shouldn't surprise you to know that Sweden was the first country in Europe to create national parks. The Swedish scientist Carl Linnaeus invented the method for naming plants and animals used today where every living thing has a scientific name or Latin name that is divided into two parts. The first part is the genus and the second part is the species. You've heard of the Tyrannosaurus rex or T-rex. That's a scientific name. Sweden's Arctic North is known as the land of the midnight sun because the sun doesn't set during the summer. There you can see spectacular light shows known as the Aurora Borealis or Northern Lights. These are dazzling green or red lights that fill the sky in the fall and spring and are because of collisions of tiny particles high in the Earth's atmosphere. There you can find the endangered species, the Arctic Fox. They were hunted to the brink of extinction and now face threats to their ecosystem from climate change. Sweden is working hard to save the species, and although the future of the Arctic fox remains fragile, thanks to the country's conservation efforts, there are now about 200 Arctic foxes there. So that wraps up our journey to our place of the week, the country of Sweden. Alright, let's call a timeout for Timeout Radio. This was your host, Rohan Bakshi. You're listening to Cater 95.7 FM, where the grassroots grow. Have a great day, everyone.